What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of All Things Reconsidered. We have a great show for you today. In part one, we're going to talk about the recent controversy over something Stephen Furtick said and why we actually don't think what he said was all that bad. And in part two, Brandon and I take turns describing the things about our non-denominational Christian world that is just annoying to us, the kind of pet peeves from our own branch of Christianity. It's going to be a lot of fun. But before we jump into the show, I just wanted to explain why this episode is going to be a little different. Right now, I'm out of town, and I explain why in the episode, but basically the bottom line is that we had to do these recordings over Zoom, and Brandon and I couldn't really get the video recording part of it to look how we wanted it to, and so this episode is just audio only. We hope you'll bear with us while we figure this out, and we'll be back to business as usual very soon. Also, if you're interested in hanging out with Brandon and I and a bunch of other people going through Christian faith, deconstruction, and reconstruction, you should consider becoming a patron and joining our Discord. It's a lot of fun, we have great conversations in there, and it's only $3, so if that's something you're interested in, just follow the links in our description. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to All Things Reconsidered. As always, I am Brandon, and to my whichever side of the screen he is on is Joey. <laughs> Hello. That's so, me. Um, as uh, you can see, um, I'm, I'm in the studio alone, and yes. uh, Joey is in a little void. Um, but uh, Joey, tell, tell, us why you're, yeah. tell us why you're not sitting in the chair. I'm actually in Joey's chair. I know, very scandalous. Yeah, I don't really care for that. In fact, I need you to get out of my chair, please. Actually, um, I do want to specify. But, uh, I do want to specify. This is my chair. I just moved to this side <laughs> because I haven't nicely really? broken in the way that I like it. So I didn't want to like I didn't want to be in your chair. I wanted to be in my chair. Yeah. Okay. Well, I respect that. I, I when I get back to the studio, I want to make sure like this still just fits me just right. And yeah. Not, not to you. So yeah, like so I wanted I respect to respect that. your boundaries uh, and your space. So. Right, great. Uh, Well, the reason I'm not in the studio is because I am out of town right now, but our show must go on for you, our wonderful listeners and watchers. For the people. Um, So I'm actually, yeah, I'm actually in my uh, in-laws house right now. Um, I'm that family member that goes on like a trip with in-laws and still has to get away just to do this project. I'm probably kind of annoying to them, to be honest with you, but it is what it is. You're annoying (laughs) for several reasons. uh, Not to me. I love you, Joey. Uh, Well, thank you. I love you too. Um, my my wife and I sold our house, and now we're waiting for our new house to get finished. Um, so while we're waiting for the new house to be finished, uh, we're crashing over at our in-laws' place so that we're not homeless. Uh, so taking the show with us. So for the next few episodes, it, it might look like this. Um, I, I'm planning on coming back up to Knoxville for a weekend so we can knock out some more episodes. So I honestly don't know how many like this there's going to be how many episodes like this will be right it might be uh, it might be a few it might not we'll see who knows but uh hang out we're still gonna have some great conversations so hope you guys stay with us anyways so now that we got that little <laughs> bit of housekeeping out of the way joey how what how, like how you doing it's great man i uh you know the last few weeks have been extremely stressful um yeah, I'm, I'm understandable there's light at the end of the tunnel now finally um anyone who is a fan of all things reconsiders tiktok um you probably have noticed a lapse in uploads and that's honestly because my life has been really busy and wild lately um but uh w- with moving and with some other stuff too but i think there's finally light at the end of the tunnel 
and uh, things are going to start to calm down for me. And maybe Brandon, you and I can knock out some more TikToks pretty soon. Yeah, well, you know, we need to get back on that train. I know a lot of people love that yeah. like, short form, sixty seconds, because it's a whole lot easier to commit to than our, you know, thirty mm-hmm. minute long videos or hour long podcasts. But we love all the people mm-hmm. that stick around on YouTube. And leave us all the comments. Speaking of which, if you are watching on YouTube, make sure you click that little subscribe button down in the corner and ring the bell so you're notified when we upload. If you've noticed, uh, for the month of October, we split it up into two videos. We did a uh, Monday video and we did a Thursday video. Um, We're... You know, we're thinking about keeping that format going forward. Um, it's just kind of easier mm-hmm. to consume a 30 minute long video as opposed to an hour long video and keeping our full audio podcast uh, on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all that stuff. So let us know down in the comments if you like this two part system that we've been doing or if you prefer that we go back to just one, you know, hour long binge watch style yeah. session. Yeah, because we will change it up if you guys want us to. We're here yeah. for you guys. We so are slaves to the let us know what you So prefer. you tell us what you want. Okay. <laughs> right. And um and and we'll have some more fun stuff coming. I know uh, after all that spooky month stuff, I think we're excited to just get into more of a uh, normal show stuff again. Right, yeah, for um, sure. <laughs> although spooky month was a lot of fun. Um I was thinking about it. I was like, what if we do this for every single holiday? And that means the entire month of November is Thanksgiving themed. <laughs> Listen, we're just gonna like we're gonna spend Four hours over the month of mm-hmm. November, just talking about things we're thankful for, and it's yeah, going to turn like to like the elementary style thing. It's like I'm thankful for grass because it's green, <laughs> and I like green. I mean, <laughs> I'm thankful for uh, Left Behind because it gave me things to talk about on the podcast. Now that I'm 28, <laughs> and I'm thankful for leftovers because I'm fat. My wife anyway, is going to dispute uh, that. She's going. We're going to watch this episode. She's be like, "You do not like leftovers." And truth be told, I hate leftovers. There are a couple of choice leftovers that I will eat, but this has nothing to do with our podcast. I'm so sorry. Let, let's get back all on of our, track. All of our listenership. Just They're just gone. So They're gone. They're like, this, I did not tune into this podcast for this. <laughs> oh, it's funny. All right, fine, fine. Let's get to what people are here for, which is our reactions to Christian news and latest breaking Christian culture developments and theological points. Um, which we have something to talk about today. Brandon. Yes, we do. We actually because have something specific our, to talk about. Yes, our friend Stephen Furtick is in the news. And uh, I have some opinions on what brought him to the news this time. Yes, yeah, same. You want to tell him what happened? Yeah, so recently, let me pull up this quote here because I personally like the quote, but uh, Stephen Furtick is in the news for a... Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a post yeah, and it also a, it's something he preached on. Basically... Um, he was doing a sermon series and you know, he probably doesn't, I would assume run his own social media accounts. I would be he probably shocked. Has, yeah. He, when you're, you know, that, that big, you probably don't, but um, anyway, he probably has someone who just went through his latest sermons and kind of created tweets and posts based off of what he's been preaching lately. And so he posted this, this status that got a lot of people okay. upset and uh, yeah, go ahead. There we go. Okay, so this uh, the quote was Jesus following Jesus doesn't change you into something else. It reveals who you've been all along, what it would be like mm-hmm. to see the you that God sees. Yeah. Now, to me, that seems pretty innocuous, um, sure, and kind of harmless. Um, it just kind of sounds like your typical, you know, arc church 
non-denominational, quote-unquote. <laughs> Which is ironic because they're not um, non-denominational. They are not? No, they're technically a Southern Baptist church. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. But it, it just kind of has that feeling of the kind of preaching that I've been listening to forever. Sure. And um, I didn't really think anything of it. I just kind of thought, okay, Stephen Furtick, whatever. <laughs> but a lot of people got really upset about oh, this. Oh, yes, they and, did. And look, I'm no stranger to you know outrage over some of these big-name preachers. I mean, even Stephen Furtick, it's not as if I... It's not as if I love Stephen Furtick or that I listen to him every single day or anything. Sure. Um, to be honest, you know, his kind of preaching and his style and, you know, things like that, it's not really for me. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. And I say this with love. I'm not trying to just, you know, yeah, you're not trying be to mean to the guy. The guy yeah. Right. But it's just I'm, I'm looking for something a little different. I'm looking sure. for something a little bit more theologically deep and thought provoking. And a lot of the stuff that these big mega churches preach is a lot more just motivational and very light, very, you know, uh, just not very intellectually deep or theologically um, challenging, which is um, it, which is kind of fair because they are so like, I mean, they cast such a wide net. And so, yeah. like, with how big they are, it's kind of hard to go into, like, you know, the depth of the things that they're talking about. Because, I mean, the dude yeah. has a, like, I mean, he went to seminary. Like, he has a master's of divinity. So, he's a smart guy. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he's smarter than us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know? So, but, like, this is no shade on him. We think he's an incredible preacher. I mean, Elevation has done great things. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they've got their fair share of, you know, stuff. But, I mean, for the most part, you don't really see yeah. much controversy coming out of Elevation. Yeah. And if anyone watching who's an ex-evangelical and is not a fan of Stephen Furtick, you know, hang with us. It's not as if we, again, it's not as if we adore this. this sure, thing. It's yeah. just that I haven't personally, and, and let me know if there is, you know, because I want to be aware, but I'm aware of the controversies with Hillsong. You know, I'm aware of the accusations. I'm aware of the controversies with like, you know, Joel Osteen. But with Stephen Furtick specifically, um, I don't think I've seen any sort of like, abuse accusations or like right you know any of that really truly terrible stuff um i mean he's no mark driscoll (laughs) so he's not been on my radar you know mark driscoll's been on my radar you know what i mean but this guy's not really been on my radar as far as like you know something that needs to be discussed so he seems fine to me i don't (laughs) yeah but i think that's why i kind of like threw red up a red flag for me whenever i see this thing because after that quote came out there i mean podcasts were coming out Articles are being written about how Stephen Furtick is a false teacher for this post. Yes, and that drives me up a wall. Like, okay, when I think of a false teacher, I again think of Mark Driscoll because he's he is an abusive, power hungry. Just he's he's something other than a, a preacher or a pastor, I should say. But to throw the phrase false teacher around so. So easily, so quickly. Yeah, Yeah, it it loses its meaning and it becomes just a witch hunt. Right. Um, Now, again, if there's something that he has done that I'm not aware of, then make me aware, please. But from what I know and from my perspective, it seems way too quickly that we throw around false teacher. And Brandon, you and I can attest to that because we've been called false teachers. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, (laughs) we've been called the Antichrist, you know. Uh, So maybe we're throwing that around a little too quick. I remember having a conversation with a Calvinist once. Um, Not something I recommend. (laughs) No, I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) You should be friends with everyone. Love everyone, even Calvinists. Um, (laughs) But I was having a conversation with a Calvinist and he was telling me that um, he thinks that you know what 
it's Corey Asbury, right? Who does Reckless Love? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is he associated with IHOP or with Bethel? Uh, yes, remember? and actually, so he's been he's been in okay. both of those circles. Well, I was having a conversation with this Calvinist, and he was saying that all of those circles are heretics and oh, yeah. false teachers. And his only reason that he could point to was reckless love. And he said, God's love is not reckless. God doesn't do anything recklessly. And I was like, so because of the semantics over one word in a song lyric, you're saying that all of these ministries across the board are heresy (laughs) because of one song lyric. It's just, don't you think you might be throwing stones a little too quickly when one single word reckless instead of, I don't know, he could have chosen a different adjective, I guess, but give me a break. Heresy because of that? Right. It's ridiculous. Yeah, because it's like, okay, let's, let's, let's just be a little honest here. You know, music writing is an art form in itself, and it's like sometimes words just flow better. And at the end of the day, I mean, if he perceives God's love to be reckless in the way that, you know, it pursues after those that God is going after, mm-hmm. I don't see any harm in using that kind of phrasing. And I definitely don't find it heretical. And I definitely don't say that Corey Asbury is a false teacher because of a word choice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, to, I mean, it's not like it's my favorite song or anything. I, I think it's overplayed a bit. But That's why it's not <laughs> your favorite not song is because people play it too often. Yeah, right. Um, but anyway, back to the verdict. Um, so... Why is it that people are so mad about this? Um, basically, what he's saying in this is that when you are saved by Jesus, he doesn't turn you into anything new. He just shows you what you've been this whole time. Right. Um, the reason why people are so mad about that is mostly the people angry about it are your Reformed Christians, Calvinists. Again, I guess Calvinists are just always mad about something. <laughs> but... Um, the Calvinists and Reformed preachers especially are angry about this because they're pointing to verses like, in him we are a new creation. Right. He makes all things new. So therefore, you are transformed something new because you originally were a worthless, disgusting sinner lower yes. than dirt Yep, that God despised. And then God transformed you into something that he could stand to look at, I guess. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. And Stephen and Stephen Furtick is saying, actually, I don't think God ever saw you as worthless dirt. I think he loved you since the beginning and has always seen you as something great. Right. And that is the scandalous news that people are calling him a heretic. Over. Yeah. Like, oh, God doesn't think you're dirt. How oh my God. dare you? you know? God does think <laughs> we're dirt until Jesus comes along. OK. Yeah. It, it, it's ridiculous. And, um, you know, you and I have theological issues with that. Yes, Maybe absolutely. You can, you can touch on that. But uh, before we even get to the, the theological issues, um, you, I also want to point out how um, controlling and abusive this repeated teaching can be uh, that says that you are absolute garbage trash person. Right. Without, you know, without our church, without our covering, without our teaching. Um, it can be very controlling of a person. And I think, you know, I'm no psycholo- psychiatrist. But I would venture to guess it can be psychologically damaging when from birth you are told that, you know, until you said a certain phrase in prayer, you were yeah. literal garbage to God. For sure. <laughs> and if you ever if you ever change your mind on that one thing you prayed, you're going right back to the trash heap <laughs> right. um, because you're worthless. I, I, I think that that's extremely dangerous to, to tell children um you know that that they're worthless to that degree i i mean or at all I mean, especially like in but um and it, it's crazy too because we you know we're preaching this message to children about you know how you are worth nothing you you know you're totally depraved you are ultimate evil until yep. you accept jesus in your heart and then god 
can view you with love, but God only sees you as an enemy until you accept Jesus into your heart, which is yeah. antithetical to what Jesus even preaches. And so we yeah. we're preaching such a contradictory message of we're enemies of God right now until we accept Jesus in our heart and God hates you until you accept Jesus. You know, God wants to stay far away from you whenever Jesus says, love your enemies. And so even yes. if we are, you know, the Bible does say we were enemies of God until mm-hmm. we were brought into the sonship through the blood of Jesus. And so, yes, we may be, quote, unquote, enemies of God until Jesus comes mm-hmm. and changes that script. Sure. But at the same time, God still loves you even in that state. Exactly. He loves his enemies so much that he went to the cross for them. So right. Even if, if we are enemies to God, that doesn't mean that he, you know, hates us or looks at us as trash. Correct. Um, which is the biggest factor that I think differentiates us, Brandon, from your typical Reformed believer, which is that Reformed Christians, um, and not just Reformed, a lot of sure. mainline just evangelical Christians, um, believe that humankind is inherently evil, inherently right. sinful. Right. That humankind, they, they take the verses that mention being born into sin very literally and very seriously. Yes. And so humans, by and large, are just, we're just, we're terrible yeah. <laughs> until God touches us. But Brandon, you and I b- agree that humankind is actually inherently good. Yes. And that God created us as good create as a good creation you right. know in the creation narrative in genesis the first thing that god says about mankind is that we are good he creates everything and says and it was good right and, and so and that i think is a defining uh verse that we should carry on through the entire understanding of scripture and of what god thinks about us is he started off it, it's kind of like the um a hermeneutic known as the principle of first mention where um, the first time a a particular thing in the Bible is mentioned, you use that as your primary definition of what it is. So if you're trying to study something like baptism, you go to the very first time the word baptism is used, see that context and use that as the framework for understanding it throughout, you know, and you do that with anything. And with humankind and whether or not we're good or bad, the very first mention is that we're good. Right. And I think that tells you what the father thinks of us. So I reject completely the idea that humans are, are, you know, born evil, despicable creatures. I think we are actually, I think humanity is actually a wonderful thing. And Jesus doesn't come to strip us of our own human nature and turn us into God. Right. Yes. He comes to show us how humans are meant to be and to help us to be better humans, fully human, um, not changes into something different. Yeah. Because to say that, you know, God comes in human form and to say that humans are evil it, it, it mm-hmm. again it, we're getting into really contradictory natures here because god yeah. can't be evil and so if god yeah. can become a human through the form of jesus because jesus was fully man he was fully god mm-hmm. and fully man and to say yeah. that he comes in this form that's inherently evil would mean yeah. that god is able to become evil And like, Mm -hmm. I know the way I'm saying it doesn't make sense, but it's because that idea doesn't even make sense. Like, there's no way that I can say it to where it makes sense. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And so humanity has to be good because one, we're created in God's image. 
So to yeah. say that humanity is inherently evil, that would mean that God's image is inherently evil. Yeah. And then also Absolutely. we believe that humanity was formed out of the love between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so out of that love came humanity. And to say that love birthed something evil and not good would be contradictory to God's nature. So humanity has to be good. Because if we're not, then one, yeah. God is a liar by calling us good. Mm-hmm. Two, God has to be evil because then because he, he's able to dwell within humanity. And three, love doesn't produce goodness, which we know yeah. isn't truth. Yeah. Absolutely. I I think that we can agree there for sure. I mean, there's not a whole lot that you and I seem to disagree on, Brandon. And this is just another example. Um, You know, I think that when we talk about humanity as such a dark term or dark way of saying, you know, we're we're so utterly useless. um, I really think that all we're doing, even if it doesn't look this way um, right off the bat, what we're really doing is just throwing stones at the people who aren't in our bubble, right. who aren't in our group. Because, of course, whenever Christians talk about how wicked and horrible humanity is, they're never actually talking about themselves because, of no. course, they've been saved. Correct. They and their bubble are perfectly safe, so they're different. You know, But anyone outside of our group, that's who we're talking watch about. Out. You guys are all evil. You, know, you guys yep. are all this and that. And so all it really is is a very accusatory and adversary like speech. And as we talked about in our last episode, you know, what is that accus- accusational and, and adversary kind right. of speech? It is the devil, it is Satan. Um, I think when you are going after your fellow man like that, uh, there's nothing Christ like about that. No, no. But okay, so let's kind of get back to this quote too and kind of address what's being said. So the quote again following Jesus doesn't change you into something else, it reveals who you've been all along. What it'd be like to see the you that God sees. Now, again, as right. Joey said, the biggest issue that people tend to have with this quote um, is that, you know, the Bible says that we in him we are made a new creation. So to say that Jesus yeah. doesn't change us, you, you know, they're saying it's antithetical to the Bible. Yada, yada, yada. However, I would yeah. disagree with the fact that it's antithetical to the Bible. I think it's what the Bible is trying to tell us all throughout. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. because in this quote, he's not saying that we aren't new creation. What he's saying is he is revealing to us that we are new creation. Jesus isn't changing us into new creations. Jesus has already changed us into a new creation. Whenever yeah, Jesus exactly. was died on the cross... He initiated new creation. So, yeah, it's already there. Jesus, it just has to be revealed to us. And so whenever he says he's not changing you into something else, he's revealing to you who you are all along. It's the truth. Jesus is not changing us into new creation. Jesus is showing us that we already are new creation. Yeah, I would even say we don't need to be changed into something different. What we need is reconciliation. Um, Jesus is, and the church is called to be in the ministry of reconciliation and Jesus is in the business of redeeming. Um, so we don't need to be, you know, completely lot, like change it to something entirely other than ourselves. What we need is to be redeemed in ourselves and in this creation. We need to be redeemed and renewed and, and reconciled to the father. Right. Um, and that is what Jesus is, is doing. That is what the church is supposed to be, to be in. Um, you know, we were talking earlier how we are image bearers of God. Well, we believe that when God is made all in all, as, as the, the gospel or as um, the epistles say, that when Jesus 
presents creation to God and he is made all in all, his image has to be complete. So every single one of us image bearers has to be reconciled to the father in order for him to be all in all, to have the complete image. Right. If any one of us, if any one of us image bearers is not a part of that, then his image is not complete. Yeah. And, um, and so he has to reconcile all of humanity to himself. And that is an, is an important difference from this idea that humanity will be done away with or cast out and will be something different or that God's going to destroy the earth. He's not. He's not coming to destroy the earth. He's no. going to renew it. Right. Which correct. is exactly what he's doing with us, too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Shocker. But uh, God isn't here to destroy everything. God isn't coming to destroy everything. You know, like Joe said, yeah, he's coming yeah. to make all things new. Yes. And, and and I think, go ahead. I, I just think that Stephen Furtick, you know, again, I I don't follow him often, but if that's the kind of messaging that he is, you know, putting out, um, I think that's a, a wonderful thing that that people who have left the very strict fundamentalist version of Christianity, people who maybe consider themselves ex-evangelicals, and I know you may have issues with Stephen and whatever else reason, but if he's preaching this kind of messaging, that humanity is actually inherently good and not inherently evil, and that Jesus is just renewing or or, or revealing us as good, I think that is something that should be applauded um, if you have left that different kind of teaching before, because that is very, I think for me, refreshing um, yeah, absolutely. to have a preacher, especially a preacher with his caliber, with his audience, um, trying to say something good. You Positive know, one about that humanity. God, yeah. One, that humanity isn't inherently evil. And two, that God doesn't view us as, re- dirt. as disgusting trash, you know, right. as dirt. Um, both of those, I think, are great. And, and I agree. Now, maybe there's other things you've preached that I don't agree with. I'm sure there is. I sure. probably disagree with someone on everything. You know, I probably disagree with everyone on something. Yeah. <laughs> so, but on this, I, I think that was really refreshing. And on the false teacher thing, like, let's calm down. Okay. Like, yeah. yeah. to the people that, you know, listen to our podcast that, you know, still are part of the church, Joe and I are part of the church. Um, mm-hmm. False teachers, sure. You know, they, they are a thing. They're out there. But let's calm down a little bit. Like, the post saying, yeah. you know, don't come within... 50 country miles of this guy or the whole, I hope that Stephen Furtick, you know, finds the real gospel that he's not preaching a false gospel by saying that Jesus is revealing to you that your new creation, like yeah, he's not yeah. preaching the false gospel <laughs> that break. God loves you, yeah. you know, for who you are. Like th- there's, there's no false gospel there. He's not a false teacher because yeah. you disagree. Now, yeah, if, if he was saying that, you so know, I, I don't know. You know, I'm sure there's something that somebody has said. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so if, if Stephen Ferg was saying that God will only choose certain people to go to heaven, then I would call him a false teacher. <laughs> yes, there you go. If, if Stephen Furtick was coming out and saying God handpicks individuals for hell and handpicks individuals for heaven because he's just that sovereign, he can do whatever he wants. Uh, yeah, I would, I would leave. Um, then I would call him a false now, teacher. Who would, who, who would be silly enough to believe something like that about God? I mean, come on. It's not like we worship a monster. Right, right. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm not. We really do love our Calvinist brothers and sisters. Oh, totally. Um, you know, it, it's kind of funny. Like, I, I know that we can be direct and even like 
you know, pushy when we talk about Calvinism, because to be honest, I've never met a Calvinist who wasn't that exact energy to me. This is the truth. It's the truth. It's kind of like their entire branch of Christianity is like founded on we're going to be hyper aggressive jerks. (laughs) We're going to be the biggest jerks in all of Christendom. And okay, now where do we go from here? How do we make a theology to support that? It's like there's nothing it's, there's nothing I can do to fall away from his you know from his glory so I can do whatever I want. Yeah, so <laughs> if I'm elect, I'm elect. But you know, it, 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 the false teacher thing being thrown around so easily. It's just like I was saying earlier with the guy who was convinced that all of these huge ministries are heretics because of the word reckless being used in right. the song. It's just give me a break. I mean, I, I think that um, when we start doing that kind of thing, we're basically saying only my very specific brand of christianity is the real christianity right begin to gatekeep christianity and you and i um do we we try to be more of what brian song calls eclectic christianity when we got to talk to him and hopefully we'll get to talk to him again very soon but when you and i got to talk to him he spoke at a pretty good length about that idea of an eclectic christendom where we learn from all the different branches of our family and we come together not saying my denomination is the one right denomination and every other type is is wrong we accept that there's differences and try to learn from all of them right um and something that i love too that he said around, uh whenever he's talking about you know branching out and talking to different you know types of christians and you know different denominations and whatnot is how they also take ownership of their issues and he's like, you know, yeah, when we yeah. meet up, we play a little game like, you know, listen, let me tell you what charismatics were the worst. And yeah. here's what. And then, you know, a Catholic priest or none will be like, listen, let me tell you why our, us Catholics are the worst. And so it's like they very yeah, much yeah. take ownership of their issues, which is super important because it's like I yeah. love I love, you know, the church that we're in. I love, you know, the did not we're not we're technically non-denominational, but, you know, we definitely fall into like that, like charismatic Pentecostal feel. But we can very yeah. much, mm-hmm. you know, point out, okay, this is just weird. You know, we, we get it. We <laughs> we love what we're doing. We love the church that we're a part of. Right. But <laughs> yeah, we get why this is weird. We get why this comes across a little strange. Totally, totally. And and but when you start to apply that kind of what he's talking about of like looking at yourself and pointing out your own weirdness and your own flaws and things you want to change. If you're doing that never to yourself and your own denomination in your own church, but you're only doing it to everyone else's churches and denominations, you're basically just holding up your own as saying, we're the one right church. Right. We are the one true church. Right. And um, first of all, that's got to be very lonely. Yeah. You know, to, to think that you have the one true church has to be a very lonely feeling. Um, and second of all, it's, of course, I mean, the hubris it takes to think that way, Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think is astounding because, I mean, give me a break. Uh, you know, as he said, we have to end the search for the one true church. We have to understand that all of us collectively bring something special to the to the body of Christ, right. to Christendom, and, and that uh, we need each other. Because, I mean, so, you even look at Peter and Paul in the Bible when they're writing the epistles. Peter and Paul disagreed all the time. Yeah. And John's totally. like, hey, b- both of y'all shut up and just love each other, okay? Like, yeah. like just love your <laughs> yeah. brother. And Peter's like, listen, I know what Paul's telling you, but no, nah, I walked with Jesus. And Paul's like, listen, I know what Peter's <laughs> telling you, but Peter's an idiot, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that people need to... S- stop wanting to burn every church that's not like theirs yeah um and and again there's a important line i think 
uh, where when a ministry crosses that, then I totally understand wanting to speak out. Okay. If a ministry is, is involved in serious abuse, um, you know, again, I think of Mark Driscoll. If a ministry is, I mean, Mark Driscoll, the man was called out by virtually all of his elders who banded together to, 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 and wrote a letter and all signed it together to say he is abusing church members and he needs to be, you know, thrown out. When you have something like that, then yes, absolutely. Right. Say all the mean things you want to say about the man. Okay. Uh, within reason, I guess you could say, but yeah. You know. I will, and, and I would even say, don't say all the mean things you want to say about the man, because at the end of the day, it's just, that's just me. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not what Jesus told us to do. You know, that's just me. Okay. That, that's just me being who I am. And I know that that's not okay, but my and point Jesus is, is working on crucifying is, that like Jesus tells us to. Exactly. But my, my, all I'm trying to say is if a church is involved in abuse like that, I totally understand standing up and saying that that church is, is 100% not church. Okay. That's fine. But to start throwing around that so quickly over something so innocuous, like a, a tweet like this, um, that's just dumb. Going back to what you're saying about pointing out our own flaws. Uh, that might be a fun, a fun uh, experiment here. Although, honestly, that's probably what we, you and I, do in most of our episodes: is point out the flaws with our own type of of, of belief system. But uh, yeah, it might be a fun experiment. You want to, you want to go for it? Point out uh, what makes our brand of Christianity so crazy? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so uh, listen, I am, I am one hundred percent guilty of this. Okay, one thousand percent guilty. I think I did this right. a week. Oh, I think I did this last week leading worship. Okay. Okay. I love the prophetic. I think the prophetic is super important. I think the prophetic still operates today. Okay. But okay. there's not a yep. single prophecy in the Bible at all that starts with, I feel like there's someone in the room. <laughs> and I am so, I like, I raise my hand, number one offender of like, listen, <laughs> and I think it's because room. I'm super insecure about it because i'm like i know what i'm saying like i know what i'm saying is right like Mm -hmm. like i feel like this Mm -hmm. is genuinely like like something that god wants to release to somebody in this room right now but i have no idea who it is so i'm just gonna blanket statement it and hope that it's right (laughs) (laughs) and 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 you know that that that's so funny that you bring that up that that's hilarious to me but because they all we all say it like yeah. every church like ours every whatever you want to call it non-denominational charismatic every church does that there's someone in the room who's dealing with x y and z and then like sometimes they'll ask for like a hand raise you look and around then and no, no hand, hand raises and let me tell you as someone <laughs> it's someone online it's it's someone watching <laughs> online i can't see your hand because it's you as know, but someone who is someone. stands <laughs> on a stage and does that genuinely believing that like I'm going to be able to help someone with an issue that they're going through. Nothing is more defeating than saying, if that's you, you know, slip up a hand coming down to the altar and not a single like Adam in the room moves. (laughs) Like like it is just stoic. And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to go crawl in a hole. Um, all right. Okay. Uh, Keep let's the set just going. The chorus, guys. <laughs> yep, back to the, the chorus. chorus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, let me tell you, as someone who's experienced that, not on the stage but in the audience, it's just as awkward from there. Oh, I bet. Um, <laughs> it's I just bet. as weird. And there's sometimes those like, you know, pity hand raises. Yeah, like, like, oh, and like I've definitely, I've, I've been on <laughs> the like, other it's end. It's like of they'll that. be up on. St- yeah. Where it's, it's like, like you know, be up on stage saying, saying, uh, if someone in the room is dealing with, with, with uh, job loss, and you're like, I mean, 
yeah, I don't really like my job. I guess that counts. <laughs> yeah, <be> nice. yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it's like again, like I'm all for it. Like keep shooting your shot. I'm gonna keep doing it. Like because yeah. again, like yeah. I feel like the heart is there to genuinely be like helpful and be encouraging and be uplifting, which is the point of the prophetic. I would much rather that happen than the. Uh, the presidential prophecies that we tend to see, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm not going to lie. Conspiratorial prophecies. Yeah. It's still like, it still is funny. Like it's, like, <laughs> well, it, it is hilarious. I think it's important to explain also like what we believe the prophetic is because a lot of people may be thinking, well, if you were truly prophetic, every single time you should be saying exactly this person you right. should be up on stage. If you're really a prophet, you'd be up on stage saying Brandon McAlpine, you live at this address and this is your favorite food. I know everything about you. And here's <laughs> right. what God wants to say. Right. You know, but that's actually not what you and I think the prophetic is. No, especially we not believe... in the New Testament. Like not especially in like the New Testament yeah. post Jesus. Exactly. So the prophetic is not actually future telling. Sometimes it can have uh, that an element of that. Sure. But it's not someone with a crystal ball predicting the entirety of the future or magically knowing all the inner details of one person. That's right. That's not what prophecy is. Paul tells us. That prophecy is um, when you speak words of encouragement and edification. Um, so that is the prophetic. That is what it means to be right. prophetic. If you're up on stage and you're speaking words from God that are edifying the church and that are encouraging people, I mean, that that actually is prophetic. So we need to get away from our very, you know, future telling, I think, magic man on stage kind of idea of what a prophet is. Yeah. And so I think honestly, too, like there needs to be a bit more teaching on that because we look at the prophets the uh, prophetic in the old testament and it very much is kind of that future talk i don't even want to say in, in the old testament is that way because if you read it that way you're going to see it mm-hmm. that way um yeah. but there very much is that edification of like god is going to make wrong things right and so while mm-hmm. it comes across as you know this is going to happen at this time be looking for these signs you know, mm-hmm. Moses, look for the rain. The rain is going to happen, and it's going to wash everything away. Yeah. Or Moses, yeah, yeah, Noah, yeah. look for the rain. It's right. not so much that he's telling the future about the rain. While, yes, it is a, you know, we perceive that to have been a literal event, it was also this idea that God was going to wash away all of the evil. And so it was yeah, still very it, much that yeah. kind of edification, if you read it through that lens. Um, so Absolutely. whenever, you know, you're in a church service and they're like, I feel like there's someone in the room that needs to hear this and it sounds kind of ambiguous, but it's very encouraging and like, you know, God wants to heal you. God wants to bless you. Yada, yada, yada. Well, yes, that doesn't sound like this cool prophetic word of, you know, you're going to get a raise tomorrow by this time, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. It is very much biblical new Testament prophecy to just edify yes. the people in your church. Exactly. And and I think it's important to look at these three words. So Paul says pro- that the person who prophesies does it for edification, um, encouragement, and comfort. Yep. I mean, encouragement and comfort are pretty self-explanatory. Right. We know what that feels like. We know what that is. Um, I would say if someone is struggling with loss and you come as a, as a friend and as a brother or sister and comfort that person just by putting your arm around them, that comfort by Paul's definition is actually you being prophetic. Yeah. It's you doing basically you being prophetic is you edifying, encouraging or comfort as God is leading you to do so. Right. So you can put your arm around someone in comfort and that is God leading you to comfort them. That is prophetic. Um, but like I said, those comfort and, and encouragement are self-explanatory. 
But edification, I think, um, in the Old Testament, we see what that is very clearly. And that's when you're, um, I think, uh, trying to grow, correct the church, um, basically when you're trying to fix things in the church. Um, and in the Old Testament, 90, I would say, percent or more, really, of the prophetic encounters of the Old Testament are when prophets are um, critiquing, I guess you could say, or edifying Israel yeah. um, because of sin and trying to show, say, say to them, this isn't right and you need to change. Right. And the main thing that the prophets of the Old Testament are critiquing Israel over is their treatment of others. It's their yeah. treatment of right. the least of these, as Jesus would later right. call them, people who are poor and widows. So, you know, uh, it, the it's very calling much a out of sin. On is calling out how they treat other people. Exactly. I mean, again, I, I know you and I bring this up now and then on the show, but even look at Sodom and Gomorrah. People think Sodom and Gomorrah were just, was destroyed because of homosexuality. But in, I think it's Ezekiel, the prophet says, here's the sin of Sodom. They, you know, base, and then goes on to say they didn't treat the poor well. And, right. you know, I don't have the verse memorized, but essentially what he's saying is they didn't treat people right. They didn't treat the poor well. They didn't defend people who were, you know, being attacked. And so he's basically saying their sin was not caring for people and not standing up for justice. Um, so the prophets, when they're edifying, they're the people who are standing up and saying, we need justice. We need, we need uh, people to be treated right. We need to love each other. Essentially, they're standing up for social justice. I know that that's a buzzword. Easy I know now, people Jenny. go nuts over that word. Easy I know. It's, it's a buzzword for um, you know, more of the Christian right. And maybe if you're listening, if you are a Christian who tends more right, I'm not, I don't mean to offend you, uh, so please don't take it that way. But in my own experience with friends, family, and a lot of Facebook people, <laughs> I know that the Christian right tends to be very upset over the terms social justice. Um, there's even entire uh, groups out there who've put out videos about how God is not a God of social justice. And I puke every time I see it posted. Because he very much it's is. Completely, he very much is. All of the Old Testament prophets were very much concerned with justice in Israel and, and how we treat people. They were very in social justice and that's what made them so prophetic yeah is they were speaking what god's heart was and god's heart was for justice to flow like a river that's why one of our favorite verses you know it says i'm not interested in hearing your worship songs i'm not interested in hearing your music and the noise of your harps but let justice flow like a river yep you know and like a never-ending stream um that that is what god is searching for and and so you know if you want to see a prophet up on stage don't go looking for someone who says, here's who's going to be the next president. Right. You know, and don't they would go have been stoned in the Old says, Testament. Yes, exactly. He would have been. And don't go looking for someone who says, this person in the audience, here's your name. This is what you got to do tomorrow. What a prophet is, according to the Old Testament, is someone who says the church needs to change because of how we're treating people. Maybe the church needs to change because of how we're treating, you know, the least of these in our community. Maybe we're not doing enough to outreach. You know, maybe even someone who says, guys, we're treating the LGBTQ community terribly and we need to knock it off. That that person who's standing up for social justice, I think, is being way more prophetic than than a, a presidential prediction. Yeah. And the person who's saying, you know, I heard, you know, I heard this person passed away and I just want to love on you for a minute. You know, I just want to tell you that, yeah. you know, yeah. we love you. We care for you. You know, whatever you need in this time, we're here for you. That yeah. also is being prophetic. Yeah. Because, totally because the prophetic is all about releasing God's voice into the earth. Mm -hmm. And God is the comforter. 
and God is the Prince of Peace. And so whenever we release the voice of comfort into the earth, we're releasing God's voice and we're being prophetic in that moment. Absolutely. But, but you know, while we're still learning that and we're still, no church is perfect, you're going to still have lots of people saying, Correct. there's someone in this room. <laughs> there's yep, someone I in will, this room and it's going to be awkward. I will be up there. <laughs> in a couple of weeks saying, I feel like there's somebody in this room that needs to hear this. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, I'll be there, you know, clapping and, and Joe's going to give me a little pity hand. Voice. I've seen Joe give me a pity hand before. Like I've seen it. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I feel like this is happening. I'm like, I know everything that's going on in Joey's life. Like that, it, it put that hand down, like cut it out. I appreciate it though. <laughs> I really do. You know, I could just be, I could be your freebie. I mean, you know my life well enough. You can just say what's actually happening. You could be like, (laughs) there's someone who's got a lot of stress right now because he's in the middle of the I feel like there's somebody buying a house right now and like things just, you know, have been like all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) His financing keeps falling through for the third time. I'll be like, oh no, it's me. It's me. But like at the same time, so, so for me, like, Sometimes I do like the like the hand raise even if it doesn't apply because I'm like I I think it does apply to somebody and they probably don't want to be embarrassed being like the only person that's like you know I am kind of depressed because it's like I remember being there was like I didn't want to be the only person that admitted to being depressed so I'm like no I'm, yeah, no, I'm good yeah. I'm good and it's like oh you're depressed too yeah me too yeah that's what yeah. I'm talking about like. Isn't that funny? That, that even is kind of how the stigma has has changed in our generation, you know, um, where I think with mental health stuff, like the people older than us are still very much embarrassed about that kind of yeah. thing. But our generation is like right out on Facebook saying like, hey, what kind of uh, anxiety medicine are you guys taking? I'm trying Lexapro. It's working pretty good. What about you guys? Yeah. And everyone's like flooding and like we're just way more open with it. And I think that's a wonderful and thing. And I think it's incredible uh, because it helps so much because yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. I don't have to feel ashamed that, you know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm dealing with this. And yeah, I have I'm a community around yeah. me that, you know, isn't going to look down on me because they're also willing to admit that they're not perfect and they have their exactly. issues, too. Yeah. yeah. And they, it's OK to have Jesus and a therapist. You know? Right. Right. That, so that's your answer for something that charismatics do. That is kind of Just kind of weird. annoying. Yeah. Well, like, I can yeah, admit it. Yeah. As as a offender, I have no issue saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. All right. So, uh, Joey. We know what my thing is. Uh, what's your? I love. I love my church. I love how we do church. But this is. This needs a little bit more explanation. Like, what are we doing? Oh man, there's so many different answers I can have for this. Um, because shocker, I'm pissed off a lot. So shocker. there's a lot of things that I could point to. Um, but I mean, we could talk about the fact that we call everything a season. Like, oh, I'm just in a season of this, a season of that. It's not all a season, people. It it could just be that you're annoyed today. That's not a season of annoyance. I mean, it's a one-day season of annoyance. (laughs) I just can't stand it. I had people, you know, that I went to Bible college with that every day was a new season where I'm called to do a new thing. And like calling doesn't just, yeah, but that's not my main point. I do want to bring something up, though. For single people, I feel like dating is just seasons. Mm -hmm. And so, like breaking up is the (laughs) end of the season it's always like you know i feel like god you know like we had our season where we needed to walk with each other and like god had us in each other's life for the season but i just feel like god is moving me into a new season and you're not a part of it yeah new season without you sorry yeah yeah a new (laughs) season of singleness where i can just focus on the lord and it's like so are we breaking up i I don't want to say that we're breaking up okay i don't don't want to use that kind of language 
Like, I just feel like God is transitioning me into a new season, and I really need you to respect that. Oh, I can't stand it, man. And even beyond, like, dating, the, the like, oh, it's a season of giving. It's a season of receiving. Uh, excuse me. You should always be giving, giving, and you should always be receiving. <laughs> yeah, it's like last Sunday you said it was a season of giving. Now it's a season of receiving. How fast are these seasons exactly? How, yeah. How, wait, what am I supposed to, how am I supposed to prepare for this? Okay. And I'm like, well, how am I supposed I to dress? Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, is this a cold like, season? Is it a warm season? Is it like a way too hot? Yeah. Like, is it humid? Like, what is like, the, <laughs> like, what is the general what gauge I, of the temperature of these seasons? Exactly. I can't stand it. Anyway. So that's one thing that annoys me is the whole season thing. It's hilarious and annoying, but honestly, on a bigger scale, something that, that, charismatics do that is always really frustrating to me is uh the way that we talk about and view and engage in spiritual warfare uh that is something that just gets under my skin because i honestly feel like we've completely lost what spiritual warfare is supposed to be yeah and in, instead, we've adopted this very dramatic kind of showmanship, a lot like we have with prophetic things. Right. Um, you know, like prophecy, I mean, in general, where it's more about looking cool, sounding cool, making things dramatic so it's more interesting. Yep. And I think we've completely gone away with from, from what spiritual warfare is actually supposed to be. Yeah, and it's kind of funny, too, because it's like everything is spiritual warfare, so like nothing is. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like... Yeah. What are we warring exactly. against? And like, why is you screaming at the top of your lungs at 3 a.m. spiritual warfare? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so str- I've never understood it. Like, so you being raised charismatic, um, you know, spiritual warfare is talked about all the time. And it's always very much like you are a soldier, you know, right. you are a member of a heavenly army. Or, you know, some people even say you command the angels. So you're like the leader of heavenly battalions. I mean, literally, I've heard that kind of thing preached where, you know, you can direct angels where to go and, and, you know, dispatch them. Right. And like you get this weird, like, you know, like Jocko mentality of like, (laughs) you know, this is my battalion. They're going to flank the enemy from the right. Like, yeah, 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 you know, we're going to take the enemy by surprise and like. Then they're gonna totally. close in it, on them. It's very militaristic, of course. It's like it's like a very militarized view of your own role in the church. Yeah. Um, and so we tend to think of the church as an army instead of a family. Um, and we tend to think of any thing that you're dealing with in life from a job loss to a divorce to you stubbed your toe in the morning and it hurts <laughs> yeah. as a spiritual attack, you know? Right. Um, any situation has the same solution, which is whatever the situation is, whatever the problem is, the solution's the same, and it's to send angels to fight a battle and rebuke demons and cast them out. Right. And to get into a prayer closet at like 3 a.m. And, and travail, which is like screaming until you're throat is sore yes um and then we think that that's going to solve all of our issues and i I understand um i understand the reality of 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 the spiritual realm yeah 100 but i think that i think that's most i would say 99.9 percent of the problems that we face in our life have extremely practical solutions because they were caused by extremely practical things right a lot of the problems that we face don't have spiritual solutions because they don't have spiritual causes right like there were problems like 
the enemy is attacking my finances, so I'm going to go to spiritual warfare against Satan because I ain't got no money in my bank account, and it has yeah. nothing to do with the fact that I financed out an Uber Eats delivery, and it has yeah. nothing to do with I saw you know my buddy driving a brand new Jeep, and I really wanted a Jeep, so I bought one too and got a payment that I couldn't afford. No, this is this is a yeah. spiritual attack. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I went to school with people who were very much into this. It's like you know you, you, your house is foreclosed on, so you have a worship service where you you worship around the foreclosure note. <laughs> yeah, and, like yeah. believe that something's gonna happen. It's like. No, maybe get a job and yeah. do that with your finances. Right. I mean, I, I just I think that we tend to glamorize our lives a lot. And so um, in the Christian world, especially, we glamorize our experience in Christianity. We glamorize our role in the church. So we're not just a, a, someone who believes in the teachings of Jesus and has good friends and has a normal life. No, 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 no. We are soldiers. We, we have a right. purpose greater than this. So, so we need to, you know, war against the enemy who I thought was already defeated, but I guess isn't. I don't know. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's like we wrestle not against not... flesh and blood, Joey, but powers and principalities that exalt themselves to high places. We have to wrestle against mm-hmm. them. I, I get it. But like maybe first of all, spend some time wrestling with the scriptures that you are basing this whole idea off of. Psh. Start there. Wrestle with your theology. Wrestle with the fact wrestle that you, with you have God. to have an opinion of yourself. Yeah, you know, start there, and then we could talk about demons. You know, I, I just, I honestly feel like people have too high of an opinion of ourselves when we think that, you know, we have to spend our days at war with with every little every everything, right? <laughs> you know, and, and and maybe we are misunderstanding what spiritual warfare is supposed to look like. Yeah, sure. Um, there's this. This um, quote, um, you know, from someone who was marching in Selma, where he said that he felt as if his feet were praying as he marched. And um, that quote's been in my head for so long. And I, I, I think that is spiritual warfare. Right. You know, it, 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 you like maybe spiritual warfare looks a lot less like yelling about Harry Potter. And it looks a lot more like marching in Selma. Maybe spiritual warfare is when you're speaking out against oppressive powers and systems that are hurting people. Maybe yeah. spiritual warfare is when you are taking a stand against systemic racism or violence or oppression that is keeping people down. And you're standing up and saying, no, I demand justice to flow like a never ending stream. Right. Maybe that is doing more for, for the spiritual realm, for people on this earth. And that is our spiritual attack rather than, you know, I'm not going to go see this movie because it has a witch in it, or I'm not going to listen to that song by Right. Last sex. Maybe maybe it's more than just culture wars. Which, I think if we separated spiritual warfare away from our culture wars, we'd actually be more useful to this world. Yeah, which I mean very much ties into what I was even saying earlier about the prophetic. And it's almost yeah. like mm-hmm. what God and Jesus and the writers of the Bible calls to do all interconnect. Where how the mm-hmm. prophetic is, you know, speaking out against injustice and being encouraging yeah. and edifying, you know, and crying yeah. out, let justice flow like river. 
and those prophetic cries are become our spiritual warfare where we're warring against powers and principalities like systemic racism, mm-hmm. like oppression that try to elevate themselves above Jesus, like how the devil in the wilderness tried to elevate being the king of the earthly realm over the kingdom of God. Yeah, and so those exactly. things have always been trying to elevate themselves. And Jesus prophetically and through spiritual warfare denied the kingdoms of this mm-hmm. earth for the kingdoms yeah. of heaven. That is yeah. the ultimate move of prophetic spiritual warfare was denying mm-hmm. the oppressive powers of the kingdoms of this world that tried to exactly. exalt themselves to the status of the kingdom of God. Absolutely. Spiritual warfare has everything to do with standing against the status quo of an oppressive empire and has nothing to do with refusing to watch Harry Potter. Right. And I think that if we would grasp that our churches would be a lot more i mean i know it's a charismatic way to put it but our churches would be a lot more powerful sure we'd actually be making an impact and a difference right rather than just being outraged over the latest movie or tv show right but ladies and gentlemen i do believe that this is a good pausing point to the conversation on spiritual warfare because that's something that joey and i want to talk about more this honestly is a little bit of a teaser because joey and i have been talking about spiritual warfare a lot lately and uh we're gonna make it a episode proper i don't think we can really um capture everything we want to say in just like a quick little thing so as i said at the top of the episode if you are new here Thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, Thanks. Had a great conversation. Excited yeah, for you guys fun. to hear it. And uh, yeah. we'll catch you guys later. I know this was the weirdest outro I've ever done. You can leave this in here about me talking about how weird my <laughs> outro is right now. Anyways. This whole episode's weird. Let's this whole episode's kind of weird. I mean, we just, sitting, you're on a I Zoom mean, call. I, I like... Th- I'm sitting here yeah. by myself. Like I'm trying to like flip between yeah. looking at you because I'm just drawn to look at you because I'm talking to you. And then also the Aww. camera, this is weird. And because of my beautiful in those luscious right? locks, That's why you're drawn. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, thank <laughs> you guys so much for being a part of this strange conversation that me and Joey had today on all things reconsidered. Please click yes. the subscribe button down in the corner. If you are watching on YouTube and ring the bell. So you're notified of when we upload and we will catch you all next week. See you guys.